to the kids, we make sense to everyone. Now, there's some front rows here. So if there's any kids that want to get up in the front row, uh, if there's any adults that want to get up in the front row and just be close to me, um, there are projectiles from time to time that fly out of my mouth, but I'm healthy, I'm clean. All right, we're starting. No one, no, no other kids want to come up? I'm going to do some stuff that you might find interesting. You might want to see a little closer, but that's all right. If you don't want to do it, I'll be okay. We are starting a new series today uh, in the book of James, and we, here we go, yes. And moms and dads, you can come with if you want to. Good job. Look at this. This, this makes it way more fun for me. We're starting a new study today in the book of James. So we're actually starting with the very first verses today. We're calling our series Tried and True, which was a great idea for the, the name of this series from uh, Amy Lippert-Martin. So thanks, Amy, for that. And she did the logo as well. So we're going to be in James chapter 1. I should have said, you guys should bring your Bibles up. Did you bring a Bible? All right. Well, we're going to put some words on the screen um, and so we're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 1 to 12 today. So here's, there's two things. There's two things that I want you guys to learn, all right? Can you guys show me two fingers? Two things that we want to learn today, all right? So here is the first one that we're going to learn, and it's this. Be a servant. So can you guys say that with me? Be a servant. Now, we learned that from the very first verse in the book of James, which tells us, James tells us, He's telling us who he is that's writing the letter. And he says, I'm James. He says, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, are any of you guys servants? Do you know, are you any of you servants? No, we got some boys in the front row. No. <laughs> so uh, what is a servant? Well, one of the best ways to understand what a servant is is if you've ever gone to a restaurant. How many have gone? I'm not talking about McDonald's here. That doesn't count. Have you gone to a restaurant where you have a server? You ever been to a restaurant like that? Where they come and they take your order and they find out what, what do you want to drink and you say, I want a big pop, probably, and your mom says, no. <laughs> but then they bring you the food. And what happens if, if something spills? What happens? The server probably comes with some napkins or towels and they clean it up. And if they forget to bring ketchup, you can say to the server, hey, could we have some ketchup? And they'll go and get it for you. And if you finish your drink and it's all gone, sometimes they'll say, can I bring you another drink? And you probably say, yes. And so that's kind of what a servant is like. And James is saying, I am a servant, not at a restaurant. He says, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? If you've got a Bible, I hope you see that there in the first verse. Now, who was James? Now, uh, Mr. Letkeman made these pictures for us this morning. Aren't these amazing? I just, I just love this. If you don't know who he is, he's one of the grandpas here. Um, and he's a really good artist. I know that because we just did a child dedication for his uh, grandchild. So, anyone know what this picture is of? This is a picture of Jesus' family, the family that he grew up in when he lived on the earth 2,000 years ago. So, which one do you think is Jesus? The one with the blue. Somehow it's just universally known. That's got to be Jesus. So beside Jesus, we have Mary and Joseph. 
And look beside Jesus, there is a brother. He's got like a green thing. Actually, that brother's name was James. And then there's another brother, and there's two sisters, and then there's, there's a little kid up on Joseph's shoulders, and there's uh, a little baby in Mary's arms. Jesus actually came from a big family. Jesus was born first, and then the Bible tells us that he had four brothers. In Matthew chapter, I think it's chapter 13, it tells us that he had four brothers, and I can't quite remember all their names. James was one, Joseph was one, uh, Judah was one, and then Simon, or Simeon, I think, was the other one. But it also says that Jesus had sisters. So he had four brothers, and he had more than one sister, plus Jesus. That means that there was at least seven kids in Jesus' family. Do any of you come from a family of seven kids? I'm asking the adults, too. We're going to need some of your hands. Yeah, quite a few of you. Not, not so many in the front rows. Pardon me? Nine kids. Yeah, that, that's a lot. So Jesus came from a family of at least seven kids, and one of his brother's name was James. He's the guy in the green. Now, when Jesus got older, and he started teaching people about God, and he started doing miracles, and all of these crowds of people would follow Jesus, what do you think his family said? The Bible tells us, actually, in the same chapter, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, or actually, no, a different chapter, it tells us that Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers came, and they, weren't, they wanted to stop him. They thought he was crazy. They didn't like what he was doing. They didn't like the fact that all these crowds were coming to him and following him, and they weren't sure what to think. So you see James there with the green sash, and he's got his arms crossed, and he's not sure about Jesus. He does not believe that Jesus is telling people the truth. He's not a Jesus follower. So that's kind of strange that his own family didn't know if they could trust him when he was doing miracles and when he lived on the earth. But something amazing happened. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that after Jesus rose from the dead, you remember how Jesus died on the cross and they put him in the grave and then he rose from the dead and after that, one of the people that he appeared to as a, a person who rose from the dead was his brother James. What do you think happened to James when James saw Jesus alive from the dead? What do you think happened? James became a follower of Jesus. He was so convinced that everything Jesus had said was true, that Jesus really was the Son of God, and now he believed in him. So uh, Grandpa Ron made a picture of James bowing before Jesus. Now, this is the guy who wrote the book of James. If you were the real brother of Jesus, and you were going to write a letter to some Christians, what would you say about yourself? What would you tell them? I'd be like, you want to know who my brother is? Jesus is my brother. Is that what James did? Do you remember what he said? Let's go back and look at that again. This is what he called himself, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say, he didn't even say a servant of my bro, Jesus. Look what he calls him, Lord Jesus Christ. This was a term that meant that James understood that Jesus was God, that he was the Savior, 
that he was the one that we should worship and follow. And that's why we have this picture of James. This is what happened to James. So this is why I'm saying the first lesson we want to learn today is what? Be a servant. Because if James was the real brother of Jesus, and he became a what? A servant of Jesus... Is there any reason why you and I should not be servants of Jesus? You know what? That is what God calls us to be, every one of us. If you're a kid, God wants you to be a servant of Jesus. If you're a parent or a grandparent, God wants you to be a servant of Jesus, right? That's really simple. But it's not always easy to be a servant, right? Because being a servant means that I put other people first, and I put God first, and I put Jesus first, and I make sacrifices to do good for God and for others. But that's our first lesson here this morning, is that we should be a servant. All right, so James tells us who was writing the letter. Now he's going to tell us in the second verse who he's writing the letter to. And this is kind of weird because he says he's writing it to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Does anyone know where the twelve tribes came from? Any of the kids know that? Who were the twelve tribes? James used that term to simply describe the people of Israel. In fact, by this time, the northern tribes of Israel had long been assimilated into the nations, actually. The people at that time didn't know who those northern tribes were anymore. They were gone. But James calls the people who are getting his letter the 12 tribes. And all he's really saying by that is he's saying, I'm writing this letter to God's people who are scattered among the nations. Now, I want you to understand a special word that James used here. He says, I am writing this letter to the diaspora. You guys want to say that with me? Diaspora. And what diaspora means is scattered Seeds. I brought some grass seed here today, and uh, I just want, I'm just going to tell the custodians <laughs> that I brought a vacuum cleaner <laughs> just so no one's angry. Um, what is diaspora? Do you, do you know how people used to plant seeds? I got a picture here, actually. Here is a sower. So in Bible times, they didn't have tractors and they didn't have seed drills. You know, that big machine that the farmers drag behind the tractor to plant the seeds. They didn't have those back in those days. So when you wanted to plant a field, you would sow it. So he's got a bag. You see his bag there? He's got that full of seed. And then he's going to walk through the field. Yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> he's just going to walk through the field. Can you, you can hardly see it, eh? And he's just kind of sowing and scattering the seed as he goes along. I'm going to try that again. If we water this, I think it might grow. Can't seem to get it to grow in my backyard, but maybe it'll grow here. Hey, anybody want to try this up here? Just really quick. Come on up. We're going we're gonna to do some diaspora here. Just come on up. Actually, what I'll let you do is just take a little bit in your hand. This cost me 330 bucks for a big bag of this. <laughs> we're going to talk about inflation next. So what you can do is just scatter that in the front here, right in these front pews. Just see if you can scatter that. Everybody? I'm going to, yeah. My wife's saying, that'll be a first. Did you guys all get some? 
All right, just plant those seeds all over. Now, I'm going to have a lot of vacuuming to do. <laughs> Good job, guys. Did you get some? Good job. Now, look down at the ground. Can you see the seeds? They're kind of hard to see. But what's happened is they're kind of scattered here and there. Some places have more and some places have less. You guys can sit down now. But here's a really important lesson. And what James is saying is the people that he's writing this letter to are like seeds that God has scattered all through the world. So look at it here today. We're actually like a bag of seeds. We're like a bunch of seeds in a grain bag right now. There's a whole bunch of us. In fact, in this part of the world, there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of people who follow Jesus. But as we heard this morning, there's places in other parts of the world where there's not a lot of people following Jesus. In fact, some people, some of our missionaries, go to places where there aren't many people who follow Jesus so that they can plant seeds there. But the thing we're learning here, and here's our second lesson for today, the first one, do you remember what the first lesson was? Be a, be a servant. Here's the second one. Be a seed. Do you know that you are meant to be a seed that God plants somewhere in the world? Did you know that? Did your mom and dad ever tell you you're a seed? That'd be kind of weird, actually, wouldn't it? God says that we're like seeds that he's planted all through the nations. Now, why do we plant a seed in the ground? There's a reason why we plant seeds, right? We want it to grow. But here's something I want to think about first before we think about that. If you were a seed, what would your life be like? Has anyone ever thought about what it would be like to be a seed and everything that a seed has to go through? So I'm going to show you some pictures to help us think about how hard it would be to really be a seed. So the first thing we're going to think about is how do they get the seed out of the plant? So this is how they did it way back in Bible times. Um, and there's different names for this. We would probably call this threshing. But here's a lady. She's got a stalk of grain and all the seeds are up in the top of the stalk. And how is she going to get the seeds out of there? Because you don't want to cook your bread with that whole thing and have straw coming out of your mouth. You got to get the seeds out of it. So what is she doing with it? She's got a stick and she is smashing and thrashing that seed out of the head of grain. That's how you would do it. How would you feel if you're a seed and you look up and there's a lady with a stick or whatever and she's just going to smash you to get you out of the plant? That's, that's the first thing that happens if you're a seed. Now Nowadays, we have combines that do that. Does anybody know what this guy's name is? Nobody knows? It's from Cars, right? What's this? Good, you got it, Frank. Frank is the evil combine from the Cars movie, and uh, I don't know if Rick Schantz is here, but funny how they chose the color red to represent a bad combine. <laughs> but if you were a seed out in one of the farm fields around us today, you wouldn't have someone beating you with a stick. You'd have this, you'd have Frank coming at you, and it's going to cut off the stalk, and you're going to get ground up inside that combine. That's how they're going to get the seed out of, out of the stalk of grain. So then what happens? Well, once they have the seed, they're going to put it in a bin, or they're going to put it in a bag. And you're going to sit there, maybe for a year, or 
six months or maybe three years, you're going to be stuck in a bag with all these other seeds just sitting there doing nothing. That's what it's like to be a seed. But then, when it comes time for you to be planted, where do you end up going? They're going to stick you in the dirt, right? So now you're going underground, all alone, in the dark, in the dirt. That's what you're going to do if you're a seed. And remember what is in the dirt, especially around here. Uh, I assume you guys know what this picture is showing, but that's not just dirt. There's other stuff in there that's not so nice. And then we're going to either, you're going to get watered by the gardener, or maybe it's going to rain, and now you're in the dirt, and it's all wet and mixed up with all that other stuff. And then you're going to have to sit out there under the hot sun. That's what it's like to be a seed. All right, show of hands. How many of you guys want to be a seed? Anyone want to sign up for that? This is what the Bible says, that we should be, God has made us to be like seeds that he's scattered and planted all through the world. And God has done that on purpose. Have you ever thought about the fact, listen to this, the place where you live is a place that God has planted you, your little neighborhood. If you've got neighbors and kids next door and people down the street, God has planted you there. Have you ever thought about the school that you go to? God has planted you in that school to be a seed that will grow for him. Or think about the family, the family that you grew up in, the mom and dad that God has given you, the brothers and sisters that God has given you. You were planted there by God, and he wants you to grow and thrive. But it's not easy to be a seed. Now listen to what James says next. To all of these people, he calls them the diaspora. You're the seed scattered throughout the world. And this is what he says to them. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Does a seed face many trials? A seed does, actually. And people face many trials. I want you to think about, well, first of all, what is a trial? Trial is hard things that happen in our lives, things that we don't like, things that are painful. But I want you to think about some of the hard things that people in our world face and Christians face. A lot of us actually don't have a lot of trials, but maybe some of us do. Maybe, maybe you've had a sickness, something in your body that's made you feel sick or that's just made life really difficult. Or maybe you know someone, maybe someone in your family, a mom or a dad, a brother or sister, maybe a grandparent has had a sickness. Or maybe you've had a grandpa or grandma who've died and they're not here anymore. There's all kinds of things in life that are really hard. And to be a Christian is hard because in a lot of places of the world, if you're a Christian, you could be in big trouble because the government doesn't, doesn't want to have Christians in their country and they don't want you to, to sing songs to Jesus. And that can be a trial for a lot of people. And it's not easy for our missionary families to leave their families here and go so far away. Sometimes that can be a trial. There's all kinds of things in life that can be trials. But listen to what the Bible says. We should consider it joy. We should be thankful to God when we face many trials. Now, I want you to think about all these hard things that the seed goes through. What if the seed said, I'm not doing that. I'm not letting anyone thresh me out of the stock. I'm not, I'm not going to go in a grain bag. I'm not going to get planted in the soil. No way. 
I'm not doing that. I'm not going to let someone pour water on me. I'm not going to sit out in the hot sun. I'm not doing that. What would happen with that seed? Would it ever do the thing that God made it to do? No. It has to be willing to go through all of those trials in order to grow into what God intended. That's why the Bible says, consider it joy. So I wonder if some of you kids are going through anything hard, or maybe your family's going through some hard things right now. We can be joyful in those and trust God that that's just like all the hard things that the seed has to go through so that it can be what God wants it to be. So consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, when the seed allows all of those hard things to happen and when it goes into the ground and when it's fertilized and when it's watered and when it gets the heat of the sun, what happens? What happens? It starts to grow and a grass seed is so tiny. But I wonder if you guys have ever thought about how amazing a seed is. If I just leave this on the tip of my finger, it will never do anything. And in fact, you could actually say this isn't really alive. It's just a seed. It's not growing, it's not doing anything. There's not really, doesn't appear to be any life in this. But when you put this in the soil and water it and heat up the soil with sunlight, this bursts open and life comes out of it. Don't you think that's amazing? In fact, I would say that if we, if we believe in God, we should look at a seed and say, this is one of the reasons I believe in God. This is amazing. Nobody could, do you know that scientists can't make a seed? Nobody in the world can make a seed. We can't do that. Only God can make a seed. And it's a miracle. God wants you to be a seed. And what does he want to happen in your life? He wants you to grow and be alive as a follower of Jesus. He wants you to become more like Jesus. He wants to change your life. In fact, that's why Jesus died. Have you ever thought about how the way that we come alive is that Jesus died on the cross for us. He died just like a seed. In fact, Jesus said this, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it will be all alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. That's what Jesus did. He died so that all of us could come alive. And if we are alive in Jesus because we've trusted in him, God makes us alive. It's an amazing thing. So notice what James says next. We should count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And then he tells us why. Because through these trials, God makes us mature and complete, not lacking anything. Imagine how small a seed can plant and produce a huge tree. God wants us to be mature trees. It says that in Psalm chapter 1, actually. First Psalm tells us that anyone who meditates on God's word is like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. God wants us to grow and be mature and be healthy and strong. That is God's goal for you. And what else happens when the seed grows and produces a plant, a healthy plant? What else comes out of that plant? What comes out? More seeds. So think about a corn plant. Uh, I've seen corn stalks that sometimes even have two really big ears of corn and they're full of new corn kernels. They're seeds. From one seed, 
all of these kernels come. So no wonder James wanted to call the people he was writing to, the Christians he was writing to, diaspora. He wanted them to understand that God had made them to be seeds. Now, what do we have to do to be a seed that comes to life in Jesus and grows strong and healthy and mature and produces more seeds? Is there anything we have to do? On the one hand, what were we going to say? Be, be whacked by a lady? Well, <laughs> can happen. It can happen. On the one hand, do you know what? There is nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do because a seed is a miracle and only God makes it come to life. We can't do that. So we have to, on the other hand, trust God. And that's what the passage tells us. If you go on and read it, it talks about if you lack wisdom, we should ask God. And we need to be humble. These are the two things that we find in our passage. Imagine the seed that's put in the ground and it humbly stays there and allows itself to be subjected to all these things that are going to make it grow. What is that? It's humility, just like a servant. Be humble like a servant. And we need to trust, trust God. So there are two lessons that we wanted to learn today. Do you remember what they were? What was the first one? Be a, be a servant. And do you remember what the second one was? Be a, all right, let's see it, if we can uh, say it all together. We'll get the moms and dads to join in as well. This is our lesson for today. Number one, be a, and be a all right let me pray and then we're going to sing one more song god it's amazing what you have done as creator you have made amazing things we thank you for the miracle of a seed and lord how interesting that your word would describe us like seeds scattered through the world help us lord to recognize what that means for us and what you would have us to to do and to be how you want us to be alive and growing and mature in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our schools, so that other people can become seeds and we can be fruitful in our lives. Lord, we need to be humble. We need to be humble before our God and before our Savior. So Lord, teach us what it means to be a servant. Teach us what it means to be a seed. And Lord, I pray even this week, you would show us that through your kindness to us, you are growing us. You are making us mature. You are using us to, uh, to bring glory to you and good to others. So Lord, help us now to remember these lessons. And uh, we're just going to sing now, Lord. We want to sing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to finish by...